Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Hey folks, welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I am really excited to be with you today. Really, uh, today's show is for me a very special show. It's a full circle show. Uh, my guest today has been uh, from childhood, from around the age of 13, 14. Uh, I first read his book, Live Your Dreams. Uh, inspired me like, like nothing before. Uh, as you know, I was a, a, a book junkie and I was reading all the books from uh, Zig Ziglar, Dennis Waitley, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, and I came across uh, Les Brown's books, you probably heard of him. He is a renowned motivational speaker, dynamic personality. He's an icon in the field of motivation. Likely your life has been touched by him. And, you know, he's one of the reasons I, uh, I think I'm doing what I'm doing today. And I think not a day goes by where I don't, in some way, shape or form, uh, receive inspiration from either something he said or his mannerism, his smile or something from his book. So, folks, without further ado, let me welcome the man himself, the master of motivation, Mr. Les Brown. Welcome to Soul Talk, Les. Thank you so much. It's always a treat when great people meet. It's a plum-pleasing pleasure as well as a privilege. <laughs> you look, you're looking great, man. You're looking great. I remember seeing you the first time when I was 18. Uh, there was a company called TPN. Yes. You were part of TPN, and I saw you speak, and it just lit me on fire. So, again, I just want to say a big thank you. And uh, it's great to connect, great to be here, great to have the opportunity to speak. You know, Thank uh, you. Uh, I'm curious, you have a new book out. It's called You Got to Be Hungry, one of your sayings. And I'm really curious, after 30 years and uh, traveling the world and speaking and doing what you're doing, are you still hungry? What keeps you hungry every single day? Years. I hate 51 years. Oh yes. my goodness. I'm 75. Oh my. <laughs> You're yes, looking like 47. Thank you. Yes, I am because my goal is to finish strong. I, I don't believe that I've done my best work yet. And I believe that we're all put here to do something. And and that most people, when they leave here, they, they go to their grave taking their talents, their abilities, their skills, their dreams, their leadership, their voice, their story with them. Dr. Miles Monroe, who was a very good friend of mine, the late Miles Monroe, he said, rob the cemetery of your gifts. Mm -hmm. And my goal is that when I go, I told my children, come down to the morgue, don't let them embalm me for three days. Slip a microphone in my hand. If I don't grab it and say, you got to be hungry, you could call your brothers and sisters and say, Dad's gone now. 
because I love what I do. I believe we were not born to work for a living, but to live our making. And living our making will make our living. That we have the opportunity to create. We were created by the creator to create. And most people are not creating. Most people have settled. But we've had a major interruption with the coronavirus where people are now rethinking their lives. You know, during you, t- you, you talked about coronavirus and, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty that people are feeling about their future, not able to plan, insecurity. What do I do? What will happen? What I thought was wasn't going to be. Will I have a career? Will I have a business in five months, in a year? And so in that kind of environment that feels so uncertain, how does someone, it's easy to lose motivation when it's hard to see a vision for one's future. And so can you give some guidance as to how uh, an individual, how we stay, find the motivation when the target seems to keep moving and it's hard to like focus? How, how, do, how does one stay motivated when it feels like, how long are we going to be in this pandemic? How long are we going to be locked down? That's a very good question. We don't know how long it's gonna be. And we should never ask that question. When I was a kid, they had a saying, a watch pot never boils. If you want to heat some water, don't stand there and watch it to see how long it's going to take because it's going to take longer if you just watch it. But if you just go do something else and come back, it's already boiling. We don't know when it's going to end. And that's not of our business. That's God's business. What we must do is stay focused and do that which we came here to do. That's what you're doing. If you focus on the problem, you are now amplifying the fear factor. Most people confronted in a fearful situation, as Zig Ziglar would say, they forget everything and run. But there's a small number of people who face everything and rise and do that which they came here to do. I believe that we came here to do something. We were chosen one out of 400 million sperm. Mm -hmm. And we are greater than anything that ever happened to us. Sure, we have to keep social distancing from people and Mm -hmm. the refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Yes. And we have a work to do. We were not born to work for a living, but to live our making. And living our making will make our living. This shutdown gives us time to think, Mm -hmm. to tune out the noise of the world, to look at our lives. The divorce rates are going up over 40%. Why? There are people who have been dying in relationships rather than living in the relationships. And they're looking at the person that they stood by and said, till death do us part. And now they're singing a song. I think it was Erica Bardu. What's that? Erica? Erica Bardu? Yeah. And she has a song called, I feel lonely whenever you are around. (laughs) (laughs) That is not a good sign. That is not a good sign. (laughs) No. And some people are rethinking relationships, they're rethinking their jobs, they're rethinking this thing called life. It's so fragile. And there are people looking forward to the election. I think we should go out and vote, but it's not the end of the world. What's most important that people need to focus on 
what's going to be different about me when I come out of this? Because mm-hmm. this did not come to stay. It has come to pass. Mm-hmm. They've got to look at how do I see myself? This is a time that you want to live in your imagination. And, 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 and whatever that is that you see, and hopefully, hopefully it's an upgraded version of yourself, that you're in the process of doing the work now in this period, in this space where we are, to empower yourself, to strengthen yourself. There's an uh, African proverb that says, if there's no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm. Mm -hmm. And so as you look at yourself, look at your goals and dreams, one of the most important thing that people must do right now is build mental reserve. The suicide rate had increased in the United States by 32% before the coronavirus. Mm. And now it's off the hook. The, the lines, the suicide lines are, 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 are busy. And mm. so this is a time where people want to fortify themselves and strengthen themselves and allow their fears and doubts to starve to death, to be busy, <clears throat> be productive, engaged in life, creating the next greatest version of yourself. Those that during this time, they might be reevaluating their relationships and they might realize I'm in the wrong relationship. This is, this is I, I, you know, I used to be able to visit myself and go out shopping and work and now I'm stuck with this person and this is not right. Or maybe they're realizing I hated my job anyway, you know, and, but now they, they, they can't run from themselves anymore. And for those that know what they need to do, they, they, there's an undeniable knowing yet this thing called fear has them gripped. How does someone, how do you, how did you, how does someone move through the fear that they feel even though they know what to do? How to navigate this thing called fear? I am so glad you asked that question. And that's the reason, one of the reasons I wrote the book, You've Got to Be Hungry. Mm. And one of the things that I talk about the H stands for heart-centered. Mm. The mind believes, but the heart knows. And so there's some things that you can do that you know in your heart. But because we've been programmed and indoctrinated in a system that, that taught us how to become logical and practical and realistic, we rule certain things out for ourselves. There's a reason we're taught to walk by faith and not by sight. There's a reason when they gathered for the unveiling of, of, of one of the Disney properties, one of his employees said, boy, it would have been great if Walt Disney had been here. And somebody else said, because he saw it, that's why we're here. That's why we have to live out of our imagination rather than our history or what we see, because judge not according to appearances, because we are stronger. Simba! You're more than that which you have become. We are stronger than anything that has happened to us. I have a friend, I was just talking about him, Mike Jones, Reverend Mike Jones, Pastor Mike Jones. At 10, they made a medical mistake and took his sight. But Mike, he was in an argument with a friend. And, and it's this guy that he was arguing with, his wife interrupted him and said, look, don't talk to him like that. He's blind. And this guy said, he doesn't act like he's blind. And he's absolutely right. Mike does not act like he's blind. He lives like he has sight. 
He's mm. an entrepreneur. He has several businesses. He has property. He has employees. He lives like in the, he can see. And mm. Helen Keller said, there's nothing worse than having eyes, but no vision. And so we don't want to act like we are going through some stuff. We want to call forth those things that be not as though they were. We mm -hmm. don't want to buy into what's happening. We have to get to a place within ourselves where we say, I've had it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going out like this. I've had it. This is not me. I've had it. I, I deserve more. And I'm going to do whatever I need to do to reinvent myself, whatever I need to do to pick myself up and get back in this thing called life. Because at the end of the day, life is a fight for territory. And mm. once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. In life, you either mm. in a problem or just left <laughs> one or headed toward one. It's a fight. <laughs> Wow, it's a fight. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. But does, does life have, when you say it's a fight, it sounds like it's a constant struggle. And, and, and sometimes people are addicted to suffering, you know. Does it have to be a constant struggle? Is there a way to tap into the flow? You know, there's people that talk about get into the flow, let life flow. How can we get into the flow? Or is that just a, a myth, Les? I don't believe it's a struggle. I see it as a dance. Stuff's ah. gonna happen. Mm. You know, like Muhammad Ali say, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Mm. <laughs> There's nothing as bad as me. No, I don't think it's a struggle. We have to go to a place within ourselves that rise above it. I, mm. When I was looked at by Dr. Alfred Golson, at the university hospital. He said, Mr. Brown, you have fourth stage cancer. Mm -hmm. So, Les, when was this? This is 26 years ago. And they gave me a, like four to five months. And he wow. said, and cancer's metastasized to seven areas of your body. And I smiled. He said, why are you smiling? I said, seven is my lucky number. I said, I'm one of seven children. I was born February the 17th. Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho seven times. Naaman dipped himself in the River Jordan seven times. Seven is my lucky number. He looked at his nurse and said, this is a strange one. I said, can you give me a second opinion? He said, yes. I said, what is it? He said, and you're ugly too. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just call me ugly in such a... Serious situation. Come on, man. Come on. You didn't call me ugly. Yes, I did. But you got this. We determine the diagnosis. Mm. God and you determines the prognosis. Mm. I teach doctors and train doctors. Don't tell someone they're terminally ill. What we should say to patients, that our ability to help you has terminated. Mm. Now you've got some other options. When, when he told you you have, what, four to six months to live, what went through your mind? Like, how did you feel inside? I didn't accept it. I left there not with fear, but with faith. Mm. I, I said to myself, I got this. Mm. I can deal with this. Because I know that life is a fight for territory, for peace of mind, for health. Like, for instance, I have a T-shirt entitled, Six-Pack Cometh. 
You know, I got a pack <laughs> right now <laughs> that's covered up by one pack, but I'm coming for you. I want you to know I'm coming for you mm. because we can't control the thoughts that come in our minds, but mm. we can control the thoughts that we dwell on. And I've disciplined myself to, to operate out of the thinking of Elsie Robinson, who said, things may happen around you and things may happen to you. But the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. And the people that are, are running scared, they, they don't realize God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Anybody can have faith when you have your health. Nobody's looking at you with a stethoscope around their neck and saying that you're terminally ill. It's good to have faith when your relationship is working or you've got a job or you're making a lot of money, you got money in the bank and back up in the event that something happens. But what if all that's taken away mm. by a virus? Mm. Where's your faith then? And that's mm. when we have to stand up. That's when we live from our faith. That's mm. when we live from a place of knowing Mm. that we will get through this, knowing that this has not mm. come to state, it has come to pass, knowing mm. I'm greater than my circumstances. Mm. Were there any things you did daily within yourself, Les, uh, after you got this diagnosis that transformed you, healed you? Because there might be some people that are in a moment right now, maybe they don't have a, a full-stage diagnosis of four months, but they feel like, committing suicide. They feel like chucking it in. They feel like they've tried everything and it's not working and, and they're ready to just give up, you know, on life. That is living death. And so I'm wondering, like, you were faced with death. What did you do, you know, I started, I started not... listening to people who had beat cancer and ah. other terminal illnesses. Uh -huh. there's, a, there's a place online called Chris Beat Cancer. I started watching that. There's mm. a guy named Joe DePenza. I started watching mm. him. Mm. There's a guy who wrote the, the, the biology of hope, Dr. Mm. Norman Cousins. I started mm. watching him. Yes, yes. And so Bruce Lipton. Bruce I, Lipton. I started watching things that fortified and expanded my vision of what's mm. possible for me because your thoughts affect you at the cellular level. Mm. And so I have a ritual. One, when I get up in the morning, I say all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. I am mm. called. And then mm. I have this affirmation that I say, Lord, whatever I face today, together, you and I can handle it. Mm. And then... I write down seven things that I'm thankful for mm. every day in a spirit of gratitude that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful at 75, I can still speak. At 75, I can still change lives. At 75, I can still build a legacy. At 75, I can still live a life of contribution. At 75, I can still live a life that will outlive me. At 75, I'm, I'm flexible. I got my vision. I got my voice. I've got energy. I can make an impact. I can finish strong. Mm. So you have to block out time for you. There's something that uh, I love that Ayanna Von Sant said. She said, give to yourself until your cup runneth over and then give to others from the overflow. And so when I get up in the morning, I give 
to me. I listen to music that gets me centered. I, I have things that I feed my spirit as well as my mind that strengthen me mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And I hold a vision of myself being free of cancer, I have a vision of myself being free of pain from sciatica and cancer. Mm -hmm. I have a vision of myself doing webinars and don't have to get on a plane again, training speakers mm -hmm. how to find their voice and how to establish a national and global reputation mm -hmm. virtually because mm -hmm. the computer eliminates geography and mm -hmm. I don't have to get on a plane again. So to me, the ritual that I have in the morning and in the evening, it strengthens me as well as the positive, productive things that I'm engaged in. They say the two most important moments in our lives, the day that we're born and the day we realize why we were born. And so I was born to speak. I tell people, do that which you came here to do. I speak. It's the calling on my life. A calling is something that you love so much that you do it for nothing, but you do it so well that people will pay you to do it. When was the moment you realized that was your calling? This is going to surprise you. About four months ago. <laughs> four months ago. I was down in South Miami where I was born in an abandoned building on a floor with my twin brother. Mm. And we were taken in as foster kids by Mrs. Mamie Brown. And then she adopted us. I'm here because of two women. One gave me life. The other one gave me love. Mm. God took me out of my biological mother's womb and placed me in the heart of my adopted mother. And I feel like Abraham Lincoln, who said, all that I am and all that I ever hope to be, I owe to my mother. I was in South Florida speaking at a voter registration event, and there were a lot of noise at Miami-Dade Community College, South Office location. And there were a lot of politicians that spoke. I was the only person who was not a politician. And there was all kinds of distractions and talking going on. But when they introduced me, and when I spoke, Everything got quiet. And I'm saying, wow, it was disarming. I'm saying to myself, they're listening to me. These are young people. These aren't old people. I'm 75. These are the millennials. They're listening to me until I finish and applauded. And I, I called my daughter, owner. I said, owner, I said, people listen to me. She said, when did you get that? I said, just now <laughs> I heard the PA system and I could hear my voice and everything got quiet and they were paying attention to me. She said, you are slow, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, I, I just, I was, I was surprised and I was humbled because I have been so busy living this thing called life. You, you've had the experience of something you love so much that when you're doing it, that you don't even know what time it is. When you're doing it, you don't need an alarm clock to get you up in the morning. I love changing lives. There's a difference between being in something and that something being in you. That, that is, that's the difference. That, yes, <clears throat> that's what you're supposed to be doing. 
And you don't care what time it is because it, it brings music to your life. It, it's your sweet spot and you love it with all your heart and soul. Even though you might have gone to a movie called House Party and look like kid in play. <laughs> if there's someone listening to this conversation and they're like, Let, I don't have any passions. You know, I, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't have any passions. Look, I don't know what I want to do. I don't eat like you, you found your calling. You it just it came to you, you know, but I, I don't feel like I could do this. I could do this. I'm, I'm just not sure. Like, how can they, the, number one, I guess, does everyone have a purpose, a calling, a mission in this life? Does everyone? The maybe, people, maybe, the people maybe they are just, doing that, a living, a limited life. You got to experiment with life. I used to be a photographer. Mm. I used to work for the Miami Sanitation Department. I used to be a salesperson at Sears. I used to be a door-to-door salesman selling used television set. I used to sell newspapers. I used to shine shoes. I used to work on Miami Beach with my mother cleaning homes. I used to be a disc jockey. I used to be a state legislator, Mm. a community activist. You have got to experiment with this thing called life to find out what's you. I'm reminded of this, this guy who was known and accomplished jazz pianist. And one night at the club where he was playing, a, a bartender came over to him and said, we have a patron here who wants you to sing a song. And so this pianist who was recognized as being talented and skillful, he said, I don't sing, but have him to tell you what song he want me to sing, I mean, what he wants me to play, and I'll play it, but I'm not a singer. Mm. So the bartender went over and told the guy, he said, hey, we brought him here to play the piano. He does not sing. The guy said, look, I'm going through a tough time. My marriage is over. I want to hear singing. Now, I've spent over $1,200 here tonight. This guy either sing well, I'm going to go someplace else and spend my money where somebody will sing to me. And he went back and he told this pianist, this jazz pianist who was recognized nationally, you either sing or you are fired. Mm. This jazz pianist held his head back and sang, Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa. That singer was Nat King Cole one of the greatest singers of our time. Wow. He was not a singer, but he sang. And from wow. that moment on, he was known for his voice as a singer, not as a jazz pianist. When you think about Mustafa, you are more than that which you have become. We live in a world where systems have been put in place to marginalize us, Mm. Systems have been put in place that keep us down, to hold us down in a culture that is designed to destroy our sense of self Mm. and reminded every day where we're dismissed, where we are demonized. Mm. And in order to get through that, you have to be hungry. In order to get through that, you have to work on your mind every day. Be ye not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. In order to get to, get through that, when you don't have the complexion of connection, in order to get through that, 
You got to be hungry. Mm. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, right thinking, right thoughts, right feelings, right words, right relationship, shall be filled. Got to be hungry. And it takes everything in you to make it against the odds. Mm -hmm. When you're a person of color, being average is not enough. Mm -hmm. You have to be extraordinary. Mm -hmm. You have to be great. And when you're pursuing your greatness, you don't know what your limits are. So you act like you don't have any. You know, on the path, I'm sure you face rejection many times. And uh, I'm wondering how you deal with rejection, how you've dealt with rejection uh, and kept going. Because rejection sometimes can be brutal, Les. Brutal. Without any questioning, I love your voice, first of all. You're an old spirit. You're about 600, 700 years old. <laughs> My goodness, I love your voice. Make know your vitamin. Ah. Fail your way to success. Walt Disney filed bankruptcy seven times at two nervous breakdowns. Walter P. Chrysler failed 49 times in the automobile industry. But look what happened to number 50. Make no your vitamin. You will fail your way to success. You've got to be willing to persist. You've got to position yourself to win. You've got to be willing to persevere. But all of those things, some things happen to you, some things happen for you. All of those things build your character and empower you to accomplish things that you would not be able to do otherwise. That's why I encourage people to have goals beyond their comfort zone. Why? Because in order to do something that you have never done, you've got to become someone that you've never been. And your challenges, the rejections, the no's, all of those things that Marion White said in life, when you don't have enough courage or insight to know that you've outgrown a situation and it's time to move on, life will move on you. Some things happen to you. Some things happen for you to introduce you to a part of yourself that you don't know right now. You can't see the, the picture and read the label when you're locked in the box. And so all of those no's, all of those rejections, I call them character-building experiences. Character-building experiences. You know, along the path too, you know, when I see you speak and you're so on stage, so free, you know, just so, uh, at least it feels just unselfconscious, you know, you're just in the flow. Uh, I'm wondering how you got to a point where it doesn't seem like you care what people think when you're doing your thing, Les. It doesn't seem like you're wondering, are they, do they like me? Do they like me? Does he like me? It's just, just in the flow. And I think often what stops people is the constant need for external validation, you know, the need for external uh, acceptance. And so, how have you, what advice can you give us about moving beyond the sense of seeking validation outside of ourselves and, that and is just a feeling the question freedom? that you're asking. I'll yes. never forget a defining moment in my life. I walked into the classroom of Mr. Leroy Washington and he said, young man, 
I want you to go in front of a room. I want you to read the script. I, I want to work out this problem. I said, sir, I can't do that. And he said, why not? I said, I'm not one of your students. He said, do it anyhow. And I said, I can't, sir. And the other students started laughing, saying, he's Leslie. He's got a twin brother, Wesley. He's smart. But this one here, he's DT. And he said, what's DT? And they said, he's the dumb twin. And I said, I am, sir. And he came from behind his desk. How people live their lives is a result of the story they believe about themselves. He came from behind his desk. When I was in the fifth grade, I was labeled educable, mentally retarded and mm. put back from the fifth grade to the fourth grade and fell again in the eighth grade. And, and when he spoke to me, he said, don't you ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. Mm. What your program does, when you speak, when you coach, when I speak, what we do is we interrupt a person's vision of themselves. When he said that, someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. Whoa, he interrupted the vision that I had of myself. Those words expanded my vision beyond what they said to me and what they said about me. It's not what they call you, it's what you answer to. As a result of that, I learned something that what people think about you is none of your spiritual business. Keep your eyes single on your goal. Keep your eye focused on what it is that you want to accomplish. Keep your eye laser focused on the things that you want to manifest because where focus goes, energy flows. Mm. I love it. What people think about you is none of your spiritual business. No. Yeah. Yeah. And often, you know, you know what, what I found too is many times, you know, people think they know us, but, but their perception of us reveals more about them than it does about us. Without yeah. any question, we are experiencing that right now. 45 called people, all types of names. And this guy who one of the authors of his book said everything he's calling people, he's got three fingers pointing at himself. Mm. <laughs> As you look at where people are right now, mm. I think more people are looking at themselves now mm. because this Corona, there's nowhere to run, mm. nowhere to hide. You talk about poetic justice, even Mexico saying, you know what? We're building a wall <laughs> to keep y'all out. <laughs> you can't come here. We don't want y'all coming over here breaking no Corona over here. Countries are saying, no, we don't want the amigos. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I mean, what a mighty God we serve. And so it, it's, uh, we have, to a very large extent, mm. allowed and permitted people to compromise our power. Mm. A study indicated, if I tell you that you can't do something, someone else has to come along and say, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. 17 times to neutralize that one time. And so that as we look at ourselves, there's a reason that we're taught in the book of life, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. We have to encourage ourselves. We have to validate ourselves. I mm. listen to motivational messages every day, a minimum of an hour to an hour and a half. I read 30 to 40 pages every day. Every Why? Day. Because wow. I'm not through yet. Be ye mm. not conformed to this world. I'm not going to be sitting around watching the television 
are waiting mm. to die. I mm. still have work to do. I'm still breathing. I got my health. I, I can make a difference. I, can, I got my voice. I still can tell my story. I can still train people how to use their voice to be a messenger of hope. And mm. so as long as I'm breathing, as long as I can speak and change lives. I remember when they told me they're going to radiate my neck. Mm. And they said the cancer had eaten 40% of my T1 vertebrae. And when I went into the bathroom that night when they were prepping me for the next morning procedure, I noticed there was an X on my esophagus. I said, what is this X doing here? And the nurse said, they didn't tell you? I said, no. Well, when they go in, this can affect your voice. You, you might not be able to speak. I said, you got to be kidding me. Whoa. I said, I'm a speaker. She said, they didn't let you know? Whoa. Said, no. I said, no. She said, yes, that's the risk. I got in bed. I thought. I got my phone. I called my children. I said, get everybody on the phone. I said, hey, listen. This might be the last time you hear my voice. I want you all to know that I love you. And I gave them each individually a message. Then I hung the phone up. I sat there for a moment. It was around 1.30. I picked the phone up. I turned it on Facebook. Hello, this is Les Brown. This might be the last time you hear my voice. Mm. So I want you to know you have something special. You have greatness in you. I want you to know you were chosen out of 400 million sperm to mm. make the world a better place. I want you to know you can do more than you can ever begin to imagine. I spoke for an hour and a half, medical instruments going off, nurses coming in and out, giving me shots. A friend of mine named George Frazier, he saw it. He said he cried. He said, I've known this guy for 40 years. Who gives a message from his hospital bed? Mm. And fortunately, the next morning, I was a little hoarse. But when mm. I said, hello, and I could hear my voice, I said, Lord, if you don't do anything else for me, mm. you've done enough. Mm. I can speak. I can still make a difference. I can still, still inspire people. Thank you for saving my voice. Mm. And I live each day as if it were my last, because one day it will be. Mm. And I enjoy each day when mm. I wake up. Mm. My goal is, is to touch somebody's life. My goal is mm. to inspire someone to realize greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. How do you define, at this stage of your life, success? You know, it's such a loaded word. We think, you know, attaining the money, getting the thing, reaching that mountaintop. And so, what is success to you right now? Success to me is living a life that will outlive you. Harshman said we should be ashamed to die until we've made some major contribution to humankind. When I go, I want them to say he aspired to inspire until he expired. That's what he did. It's not loaded. It's not complicated. We, when we leave here, 
we should have lived our lives in such a way that generations yet unborn will know that we made a mark. It's powerful. In terms of, I know you have, how many kids do you have, Les? Is it? I have five boys and five girls. 10. 10. Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. And I took him serious. You took it literally. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I have 15 grandchildren and four great grandsons. Oh, you are a wealthy man. That's amazing. So, in in terms of raising children, uh, I think there's so much conditioning from our media today that's constantly programming our kids um, from a very young age with images and music and, and visuals and narratives and spinning of narratives. And one of those narratives in the media is you are not enough. You are not enough. You are not enough. But if you just conform to this and do this and do that, then you're going to be enough. And it's unconscious. And so how have you, what advice could you give the parents, the aspiring parents to truly raise healthy, you know, motivated, hungry kids that are in touch with their own, you know, divinity and, and, and self-esteem? Well, what advice can you give? Become the dominant voice in your children's lives. The dominant voice, not their friends, mm. not the video games, not television, the dominant voice. That's very important. The, the reason that we, to a large extent, have lost so many of our children is because they're being raised by video games and by their friends, peer pressure, and by television. People say, garbage in, garbage out. No. Garbage in, garbage stays, mm-hmm. and it stinks, and it shows up in their attitude. I have a training that I've put together for, for youth. One is designed to change their mindset, affect the virus of HIV, hood-infected virus, Mm. AIDS, addiction to incarceration and death syndrome. Mm. Change their mindset. Two, teach them how to become effective communicators. Mr. Washington said to me, Mr. Brown, once you open your mouth, you tell the world who you are. Three, teach them how to dress like a prospect rather than a suspect how you show up in life, determine how people see you. Four, teach them how to develop collaborative, achievement-driven, supportive relationships. That's an asset to them rather than a liability. Have them end up in an orange jumpsuit. Mm. And five, teach them how to become global entrepreneurs using their telephone and the computer, even if they have a felony so they can learn how to control their own personal economy. If we follow those procedures in working with our kids, teaching them how to think, how to value their lives and the lives of others, how to use this powerful instrument that Time Magazine called the person of the year in 2007, the computer, we can create a different kind of culture for children will begin to value their own lives and value the lives of others because everybody's life matters. Mm. I love it. I love it. I know you train uh, speakers and coaches and, uh, you know, I've long admired you. Every time I've seen you speak, it's, it's been really masterful watching you on stage, weaving stories, motivating, connecting, touching people. I think you have a, 
clearly a gift in that area that you've developed. And so uh, for the aspiring speakers out there, Les, and this is also, you know, selfishly, I want to pick your brain myself. What is the, uh, what are some of the, the, the seek, what are some of your speaking secrets if you could kind of distill uh, some of those for us in terms of what does it really take to be a masterful speaker? It, I'm glad it, you it, asked that question. I want to ask you a question. Tell me a defining moment, something that happened to you, something that experienced that you had, that you knew that your life would never be the same again. The moment well, yeah, I was supposed something to take... You went through something you witnessed or something you experienced mm. that mm. you knew as a result of that, you would never be the same again. The moment that I was ordained as a minister when I was 14, supposed to take over my father's churches, 300 churches, and uh, God ordained. I knew that was not my path. And when I was 17 and a half, 18, I had the conversation, Les, with my father and uh, broke my heart because I loved my father. He was an icon for me, but I told him, Dad, I'm not taking over your churches. I have to follow my path. And that was the moment I knew my life wouldn't, I had no idea what was going to happen, but I knew my life was never going to be the same. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk to you right now. I want you to think about your goals and dreams of what you want to do with your life. And as you think about your goals and dreams right now, I want you to know that in order to live your dreams, at some point in time, mm -hmm. you're going to have to make a tough decision. Mm -hmm. You know, my father built an incredible ministry. And, and my father's dream was for me to take over his ministry. Mm. But he didn't bother to ask me, was this what I wanted? I went alone for a, a while. But there came a moment when I said to myself, this is not me. I said to myself, this is not my calling. I said to myself, I've got to be honest with my father. I had to have a tough decision. I want you to write this down, tough decision. In order to live your dream, it requires a tough decision. The president of Procter & Gamble said, a tough decision is not a tough decision because we don't know the answer. He said the tough decision is a tough decision because we know the answer, but most of us don't have the courage to do what we know because of fear. And fear is not the absence of, of, of courage. Fear is the willingness to have the courage to make the tough decision anyhow. Mm. And I had a conversation with my father. And I said, this is not me. I can't do this. And that made all the difference in the world. Mm. Every day, I can look in my eyes, the man in the mirror with a face of authenticity and truth and honesty that I'm living my life mm -hmm. on my terms. I'm living the life. I only got one that God has given me. Mm -hmm. And it took a tough decision. As my father is my hero, it took a tough decision. I knew this meant everything to him. I couldn't sleep, but I had to get to that place. That this is not me. Mm -hmm. 
That's not me. I've got to live my truth. That was not my truth. That was his truth, but it was not my truth. I'm saying to you, live your truth. Mm. You're made in the likeness and image of God. You've been given authority and dominion over everything, and that's over fear, over the approval of anybody else in your life. Mm. Live from that place of power and honesty. Be you. You can speak on that, my brother. <laughs> so telling the story, yes, telling the story. Yes, with we, weaving the lessons. What happened when I came into the industry was based upon information from the book ah. by Napoleon Hill. If information could change people, everybody would be skinny, rich, and happy. But when you tell a story about a point in your life, the night that you lost sleep, a point in your life, that you had to confront your father and say, this is not my dream. Mm. The man that, that you came from his loin, the man that loved you and, and was grooming you for this, and you're now saying, I want to take my life in another direction. This, this is not me, Dad. The emotion, yeah, the, emo the emotional now, connection. What happens is that, that when you have a story, the story has a human face. The story, Oliver Wendell Holmes said, that the story that, that once a man or a woman's mind has been expanded with an idea, concept, or experience, and the story creates experience to transform the audience individually and collectively, it can never be satisfied to going back to where it was. Mm. You told a story from your heart. You told a story of the agony of, of telling the truth of who you are and facing your father in a moment of honesty. Mm. This is not me, Dad. Mm. I want you to know. Mm. That was not easy. Mm. And there are people in the audience who will identify with you, who will yeah. understand that. Because all of us at different points in our lives, we have tough decisions. Mm -hmm. We have things that we have to do that's hard. If you do what is easy, give yourself a pass. If you do what is easy, back down, be a coward, live a fake life. If you do what is easy, your life will be hard. But if you do what is hard, have mm -hmm. courage, stand up inside of yourself, be of good courage. If you do what is hard, your life will be easy. You slept mm. good that night. Yes. Yes. Love that if you do what is hard, your life will be easy. Yeah. And I find there's, there's no shortcuts, you yes. know, there's no shortcuts. You might go back mm. because sometimes you have to go a long distance out of the way mm -hmm. to come back a short distance correctly. <laughs> What I'm doing now, the difference between what I'm doing now and where I started, preachers preach the gospel about Jesus. Mm. I preach the gospel that Jesus preached. They sell the messenger. I sell his message. Right, right, right. So you're doing what you told your father that you were not going to do. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a larger scale, only 15% of people go to church. Yeah. 85% don't go. So you're talking to the 85% and the 15%. And mm. there are ministers who wish they were in your mm. position because mm. now everybody is gone to the computer. We're gone from brick and mortar mm. to click and order. They've gone from mm. butts in the seats to eyes on the screen. Mm. And you don't have a big mortgage note and maintenance and staff mm. to pay. Mm. Mm. Oh, well, now you can focus on taking it to another level. Another level. Were there any things that you, you, you did, Liz, because uh, to me, you were, you are, you were an icon. You, there were certain icons like Zig and, and, and Stephen Covey and, and, and it was like Les Brown. And so like, was there anything even more on a work ethic business level that you did that differentiate, that enabled you to rise above the crowd? Because there's millions of speakers, millions, you know, everyone yeah. is a speaker, the guy in the Starbucks a speaker the guy and you know ralph's is a speaker everyone but but like there's only one les brown so i'm like was there anything like like was there a secret that you did clearly you are masterful but were there something you did on a daily basis that really enabled you to rise to create this iconic brand on i'm a so glad you asked that question that's why i'm training speakers now and mm. and people that are listening because you can't read the label when you're in the box, okay? Mm. And, and what happened, Muhammad Ali said, I'm the greatest, but he never won a championship without Angelo Dundee. Michael Jordan mm. never won a championship without Phil Jackson. So one, you gotta have someone who's experienced and accomplished, who can take mm. you to a place within yourself that you can't go by yourself. That happened for mm. me, Mike Williams. He wrote the book called The Road to Your Best Stuff. I, wow. I wrote the forward for that book. He's been my mentor. So having a mentor who's, who's experienced and accomplished, and he was speaking on the level where I wanted to go. And I said, awesome. can you teach me how to be as good as you? He said, if I'm decent as a coach, you'll be better than me. That's number one. Number two, he taught me the power of the story. Mm. My Angelo said that there's nothing as painful as an untold story buried in your soul. So rather than advancing with information, I advance with my story being adopted mm. and having a desire to take care of my mother, to buy her a home. Mm. The second thing he taught me was the value of creating an experience. Because in order to transform people, you have to create with your story a significant emotional event. Mm. Attention is the new currency. To get attention, who are you? What do you have? And why should I care? To hold attention so that when you present, you can dismantle their current belief system with the experience, with your story, that expand their mind, touch their heart, and ignite their spirit and that allow them to become pencil in the hand of God and start writing a new chapter with their lives. Mm -hmm. So with the story, with the experience, with the coaching, that put me on a different path. The Dale Carnegie course they teach, tell them what you're gonna tell them, 
tell them and then tell them what you told them. <laughs> this is the fourth thing that I learned. Mike Williams said, Brownie, never let what you want to say get in the way of what your audience wants to hear. Mm. Conduct communications intelligence. Ask them what is it they're looking for. Give them what they ask for. Something that can, that can help them to create the next greatest version of themselves. Something that they can sink their teeth into. Something that, mm. that will touch their heart. Mm. And as a result of how you orchestrate that story and the experience that you create, there's a saying, you can take a horse to the water, you can't make them drink. However, with your story, you can create a thirst where they want to drink. <laughs> and their lives will never be the same again. I love that. With the story, you can create a thirst yes. where they want to drink. Wow. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Les, I want to be respectful of your time. I, I'm, this conversation is... Uh, heart expanding, soul igniting. I feel, I feel reinvigorated. I feel like I have an injection in my soul right now. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, 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 I'm hungry now, you know, I'm hungry like your new book says. And so just to wrap up and then I want to figure out the best way people can find out about you and your work and what you're up to. Uh, if you've shared so much today, but if you were to distill if you were to look back on your 75 years, successes, ups, downs, failures, lessons, things you wish you had done differently, if there were, let's say, three of the most important things, lessons that you've learned that you would pass on to your grandchildren and your children and the next generation that you feel the three things that would evolve the next generation the most that you would pass on as your Les Brown keys to life, what would those three things be today? Very good question. I love being interviewed by you. Mm. I love it. One, mental resolve. You've got to be mentally tough, mentally and emotionally and spiritually. There's a reason that we're taught, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts should be established. Because things are going to happen. Mental resolve. Think it not strange that you'll face the fiery furnaces of this world. It takes a commitment to work through this stuff, to stand up inside yourself. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day that having done all to stand. The mental resolve, number one. Number two, upgrade your skill set. Find at least three things that you love, three things that resonate with you, three things that you love to do. And you love it so much you do it for nothing, but you do it so well that people will pay you to do it. And the third thing is create, because you can't do it by yourself. Create collaborative, achievement-driven, supportive relationships. If you develop mental resolve and become a no matter what person, if you develop multiple streams of income with your talents, your abilities, your knowledge, your skills, and if you form a team of collaborative, achievement-driven, supportive relationships, that will allow you to make your life recession-proof. That will allow you 
to control your own life. Dr. Howard Thurman, who is a mentor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Abbott Schweitzer and Mahatma Gandhi, he said, there's something in each and every one of you that waits and listens to the voice of the genuine in yourself. It will be perhaps the only guide you will ever hear. And if you cannot hear it, all of your life, your days will be spent on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. What we know is, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. What we know is, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What we know is, we're more than conquerors. What we know is, we have a purpose for being here to serve God. My prayer before I speak, before I grab the microphone, more mm -hmm. of thee, less of me. That's wow. my story, wow. and I'm sticking to it. I want wow. to be the father. I yes. know he's a great man because he's done good in producing you. Oh, thank you so much, Les. You know, this conversation has been uh, deeply touching. I want to thank you so much. And just uh, thank you for doing what you have been doing. You know, in many ways before we met, uh, your book, Live Your Dreams, was one of the books that really, when I was about 13, 14 years old, uh, showed me the possibility of what I could do. You know, I thought there was one idea of, wow, it has to be through the church, but then my eyes started opening. And when I saw you and I read you, it just opened my, it gave me the courage to have that conversation. So uh, uh, big thank you. I can't wait to give you a hug in person. And, uh, and just, just know you've been a blessing in my life. One of the best ways that people can find out about you and your work and your speakers training, the best website and, you know, anything you're up to these well, days. Well, they can get my book, IamHungryLessBrown.com. If they go to IamHungryLessBrown.com, that's where they can get my book called You've Got to Be Hungry, The Great <laughs> Within to Win. And for those who want to be coached by me to call attention to themselves, hold attention and, and direct the attention, with a master keynote because people, when you speak, they're asking, who are you? What do you have? And why should I care? I do coaching with a limited number of people. They can email me personally at lesbrown.com and put your name in there, all right? Then I know where it comes from and they'll get VIP treatment, all right? lesbrown77 at gmail.com. Amazing. LesBrown77 at gmail.com. Folks, you heard it. I also want to encourage you to check out Les's new book, You've Got to Be Hungry, The Greatness Within to Win. It's going to be amazing, I can tell. The first book of Les I read, Live Your Dreams, is an absolute classic. Check it out. Uh, LesBrown.com, folks. I want to uh, encourage you to check out everything that Les has going on. Email him. Find out about his coaching, his speakers, training to be coached by Les would be truly special. Uh, and we'll put all of the links, folks, in the show notes. Les, from my heart to yours, God bless you. Thank you. And may the next 75 years of your life be your best ever, ever. Thank you. So a big for my, blessing. For my Christmas gift, I want to do a Zoom with your father. I want to meet your father. This, this would be amazing. This? He's still with us. He's in Ghana, West Africa. I'm going oh, yes. to give him your 
your respect and love and uh, we'll, yes. we'll, we'll, we'll sync up a, a connection. Okay, please do that. God bless you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. There's anointing on your life. You have something special. You have greatness in you. I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Thank you. God bless you, Les. Folks, I told you this was going to be a a very, very special episode. Uh, It's one that touched my heart. Uh, I would love it if you uh, sent me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. Let me know your key takeaways. Also, let me know uh, how you're going to implement Les's three life keys, okay? Mental resolve, upgrade your skills, and create collaborative, achievement-driven, supportive relationships. Also, uh, share this episode on social media or Instagram, Facebook. Send it to all your friends. Make sure you subscribe and download Everyone needs to listen to this episode and check out everything the amazing Les Brown has going on. Folks, I love you lots, and I'll see you in next week's episode of Soul Talk. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.